Welcome to Coffee with a Homeschool Mom. I'm Heidi Larson. This episode is the second half of my conversation with Melissa Kerr. If you haven't listened to the first half, be sure to find it for more encouragement from her. This is a little late coming out, and I'm blaming it on technical difficulties. That's all I'll say about that. Wouldn't it be nice if everything just ran as it's supposed to? Including our homeschools? Maybe you don't have difficulties, but this homeschool does. Melissa and I talk... Melissa and I talk about that. She also talks about how they started homeschooling over 20 years ago. And we talk about struggling learners and a little bit about curriculum. It's all meant to encourage you as you homeschool. So grab your favorite cup and listen in as I have coffee with a homeschool mom. We are in that process of writing out transcripts and figuring out like, okay, does this count? Like what, what are you doing? And I've tried to keep track of, you know, what they've done all year. Um, and then how do I put that into a class? You know, like does uh, studying music, does that, you know, that counts. What, what else can I, can I count for? Not like to cheat the transcript, but um, be mindful of all of the resources, I guess, and the experiences that we have had. Right. Um, well, and, and all of those things are important. And so like, if your child has had music lessons, obviously you can count music theory, you know, music, music theory, and what is their grade and that sort of thing. And um, it is important to kind of look out there. Um, mentorships is another really important thing that we start looking at our children, you know, especially when they get to be around that 12, 13 age, maybe it's a little younger for boys or girls, I don't know, but for boys, especially, I think, um, what are their interests and you start kind of gearing school a little bit in that direction for them. Um, we're pretty big on unit studies and, and finding people in the community that can provide those resources where maybe I'm not quite as equipped when my boys started getting into music. My husband and I both were, had been musicians, but they wanted to get into recording, had no experience. And so we started looking locally and there was a pastor who was a recording engineer and had a studio and helped create one in Boston. And then there's one in Bemidji. And so you start looking for those people that, you know, you can trust in your community. You don't just leave them, you know, with your children. We usually are, you know, on board to participate as well. Um, but, um, my daughter was interested in missions. My husband and her started going to Costa Rica on a mission trip every January. And now she's on staff with the mission group. And so you find those things that your children are interested in and you start branching out to see, you know, what are the things that we can do in our community that provides those resources to help equip our children? Because our goal as homeschooling parents is to teach our children to learn how to learn. It isn't just to give them all the answers to make sure that they can check off all the lists or take all the tests, but to really learn how to find out how to learn. And um, sometimes that gets lost, you know, like we just need to get this done and we need to, you know, plow through the day, whatever your emotions are, or whatever you're going through today or whatever I'm going through today, you know, we need to get these things. Yeah. One of the goals is to, they say lifelong learners, but I guess I hopefully we're all learning, you know, continuing to learn, but to enjoy that process though, too, of 
being able to learn together and learn, find out what their gifts are. It sounds like a lot of work, Melissa, finding out what your children are, what their interests are, and then finding community members, mentor them or for them to be a part of a reliable community members, I guess, too. Yes. It sounds like a lot of work. Um, Yes. It does seem like, as I look back on it, that there are seasons of life where it's typically about one or two children in the home. So you're spending a little more time on that older one or the next to the oldest one that's pursuing a certain thing and, and you know, you're maybe taking them more or maybe they're having to drive themselves, however that works out, depending on how involved you are. That's okay. I think we, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to think that every child has to have every bit of attention or every bit of a learning mm-hmm. all the time, but that's, that is not teaching um, serving or deference or, you know, how is it that I can come alongside and support this sibling at this time of their life where you're giving more. And then when you go through that time, then that other sibling comes in and helps you. Hmm. So we're teaching our children to support and to encourage and to build up as we're, you know, we're encouraged to do according to the scripture to build one another up. And so during those seasons of time, it's not like you can do this with every child all the time. I mean, obviously with, you know, five, six children at home homeschooling, I'm not pursuing every child's interest, but typically it's usually one or two children that are kind of pursuing an avenue and you spend a little more time and the family helps. And it's an important way, I think, to teach them how to love each other and how to believe and invest in one another. And in, and when they do those things, kind of going back to the transcripts, you see that and there isn't this set, okay, I'm sitting down looking at a book and I'm reading all about engineering. You know, they might be out there learning that skill and you decide how you want them to apply it, how to come back and answer for what they're learning. And you can know how to give a grade for a transcript according to how they're bearing fruit, you know, in that situation and getting feedback maybe from the person who's mentoring them and seeing, you know, what, in a sense, maybe project or thing that they're doing to um, learn that skill and ability. And I found that, you know, my children have done so many varieties of things over the years. And when my first son was studying engineering at the college, it just so happened that his professor and counselor was our, was one of our neighbors. So my daughter who was starting to pursue photography, his wife was a photographer. So she started mentoring Mm. her. And then this gentleman also owned all these billboards from Bemidji to Boston. So my son started learning how to like do billboards and put up billboards. Like they learned so many different skills, even just in our own small communities. Hmm. And, um, and you find ways to see, you know, how are they bearing fruit in the things that they're doing? And then you can put that on a transcript and it's not traditional, but it's effective. And then they also learn how to get out in the community and behave when they're, they don't just all of a sudden graduate from high school, go off to college and they got to be, you know, effective community members. They're learning how to already participate in the world and be servants and be, you know, the people that they're supposed to be out there. So, and that's the transition better. And that's a goal of parenting in general is to hopefully the, they will be productive citizens in the community. Right. That's our goal. <laughs> yeah, because school, our faith, our giftings, it's all one thing. It's not all separate entities that we put in boxes and say, okay, now I've got this done. Let's move on to this. Right. You know, we do it all together consecutively. Right. Um, 
Yeah, that's, thank you. It's given me, just talking about that has given me ideas and maybe to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> Very encouraging for me. Let's go back. We started kind of the opposite and sure. started talking about high school first because that's maybe, um, well, that's where I am right. and I need the encouragement yeah. there too. Uh, my husband was reluctant in allowing us to do this, um, keeping him at home. And then our our homeschool needed to look like the school, not from my husband's pressure, but in my own mind, right. because I have um, an education degree okay. from from the local college and so then that's how that should look and it took a long a lot of hard years of struggle and uh, then when your first one is a struggling learner then it's you really have to what am I doing what's what's most important I guess in this in this thing and to realize that uh, at the end of the day we need to love each other and um, show love and uh, can I put that on a transcript? Like, get a long class? <laughs> Where's the fruit of the spirit? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, we always tell our, our children, um, just because you're grumpy or tired or angry, that doesn't exempt you from the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. You still, you know, it's uh, hard. And when you have, you know, a few of you in the house trying to do all the different things you're doing in a day and learning, it can be complicated and right. emotional or... Right. I, I want to put on the transcript, get along with difficult people. Like how, what, what name should that have in class? Because <laughs> we're struggling through that. Uh, just because, I mean, you have different personalities together right. and uh, different to-do lists or, you know, agendas yes. that each person is trying to get through through the day. Um, but that was a rabbit trail from you. You started, um, so you didn't think that you were in a homeschool. You didn't realize that you were going to be a fantastic teacher like you are now. And the question, I guess, that people want to know, or the typical question is, what curriculum did you start? And you said there wasn't a lot. No, there wasn't. So like I said, I was eight months pregnant with my one who's 28 now. And we went to this conference in Columbia, Missouri at a university. <clears throat> we walked in the room, and at the time there were only two tables Bob Jones and Abeka. Okay. Curriculum. Two tables selling curriculum. And we walk into this little room and sit down in a little type of like lecture hall kind of thing. And there was probably, there might have been 40 people in the room. I don't know. And there's this elderly couple teaching. And I thought, wow, what is this grandma and grandpa couple doing, you know, teaching us all about homeschooling? And At the time, I had no idea who was teaching us this amazing information about, you know, homeschooling the way your family has been to homeschool. And, um, and I picked up their book, Homegrown Kids, and found out a few few years later that it was Raymond and Dorothy Moore. I'm not sure that the generation now knows who they are, but they literally are the people that fought, went to jail for homeschooling, you know, when it wasn't quite legal. And they were out there teaching and, you know, encouraging people to um, homeschool their children, to look at homeschooling differently and not worry about starting them at the ages of six and talked a lot about how the physical and eye development oftentimes doesn't come until about age nine and just things I had never even considered or heard before. We're so blessed to have them as mentors 
in our life in that way with books and material and that sort of thing. And it did get us thinking, you know, is this something we should be doing? And, you know, and as the world starts changing and was removing prayer from school and the Bible from school and those sorts of things, it also made us consider what will they be teaching our children in public? So we um, just kept praying about it all the while working at helping to get this little small school started in our community. And when the day came, we just, I said, Mike, I don't think that we can send him. I think I want to try this. And he was kind of nervous and reluctant and said, I'm willing if you really promise me you're going to do it. You know, you're not going to just stay home all day and play. <laughs> no, we'll do it. And so we did start out, went um, and found, you know, a Becca and bought, spent probably $400, which was felt like a million at the time yes. as a young couple um, with a Becca preschool curriculum. And I think it was probably by week two or three, Sam was literally banging his head on the table <laughs> saying, I am so bored. And I said, I know, right? Although Abeka is an amazing curriculum and it's wonderful. Um, it's a little more advanced. The Christian schools work well with it. For Samuel and I, we were just more of a kinesthetic, hands-on type of thing. We love reading books. So we found ourselves um, uh, more like guided towards sunlight okay. curriculum, which was originally started for missionaries where they would have a whole curriculum that was already set for them. There wasn't a lot of planning. You can look at your week when one little calendar and say, this is what you can do. And it came with all the readers, the living books, we call them. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can, you know, read about, you know, black beauty and learn all about horses and the geography for wherever that particular book is and do unit studies. And that worked well for us. And so um, that sort of just sparked it and, and we took off and, and ran with that. We did use Konos too for a little while, which is another form of unit study sure. um, that, you know, targets things like obedience, attentiveness, and you study things around that. So we enjoyed doing that and found that that was sort of our niche was very much hands-on and living books and Matthew C, which was a more kinesthetic type learning with the building blocks. We use that too. And have, have pretty well stuck with Matthew C over the years. We mm -hmm. do some teaching textbooks for math, but um, have really enjoyed that a lot. So we had a lot of fun after that. Good. And have enjoyed it. And then he went on and he also did the, the program at NTC and became an engineer and and now works at New Flyer in Crookston and has a job that I can't pronounce the name to. So, <laughs> so <Right>. it worked. <laughs> we use Matthew C as well, and we've tried other ones. And both high schoolers, they've tried different ones. And I said, you know, I'm doing it on their own or teaching textbooks and have come away with tears and said, and I've said, no more, I, we're going to go back to Matthew C. Because that works for our family. Yes. And we've done that from the start. It works for those those two, and my other one may, could maybe do a different math curriculum, but it's what we have, so yeah, that's what uh, we're gonna use. <laughs> yeah, we have we have really liked it, and I really enjoy. For one, it, it isn't specifically targeted to a grade; you kind of go toward levels. Yeah, but it also um, teaches the concepts. So, for instance, say you learn how to count by fives before you learn how to tell time, mm -hmm. where typically you would just learn how to tell time in kindergarten. But if you already know how to count by fives, it makes it easier to do the clock. Yeah. So it's concepts like that that I've appreciated and the way that he uses word problems and things like that. Very hands-on curriculum. Yes. 
And I found that it's worked both well for my boys and girls. Yes. I'm thinking on that. So many different things, whether it's, you know, how to research more to find those connections and also listening. Um, that was so important. I remember with Timothy, um, our one that we, you know, he, he kind of struggled. We didn't realize, you know, at the time they were just coming out with, or maybe it was more familiar to hear dyslexia or autism or Asperger's or whatever it was. And we just didn't quite understand everything that was going on. But he, he was telling us in his own way, you know, I can't, this isn't working for me. I don't understand. I can't read this. I, whatever. And it took us a little while. And he was probably in the fourth grade, almost, or around that age level anyway, um, where we found Diane Craft mm -hmm. and she does the right brain learning and, um, just the eye-opening experience for all of us when we got a hold of some of her, this idea of, you know, embedding pictures and numbers and people for right brain learning, doing, you know, more graphic because he could, you know, he could tell me how to spell the word mountain, but he could not tell me how to spell the word was. Mm -hmm. There's no picture, no image for it. And it was very difficult for him. And so once we did that, it was, I said, Timothy, you're smart. You're, he'd say, oh, mom, I'm, I can't learn I'm dumb. And I said, no, 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 no. It's, it's me. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm here to help you. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to have to figure this out. Mm -hmm. You know, we will do it together. And he was patient with me and we figured things out. And another thing that really accentuated his learning was drumming. He started, um, he wanted to drum from the time he was very young. And we were like, oh, that's really noisy. The other kids <laughs> did flute and guitar and piano and whatever. And he did some of that too. And he played violin a little bit. And but when he found drumming, it really, um, and we since found in research that it does develop the brain and helps learning. And so between the two things, Diane Craft's, you know, revelation and drumming, he just exploded into learning and it helped him. But he still did most all of his school auditory and through listening, through reading, through telling stories and still was able to learn, but we just did it non-traditionally and, um, He's a successful, wonderful person. So. Yeah. I listened to Diane Craft at a um, homeschool conference and the mind opening for me, oh, just, yeah. So we started putting pictures with words and okay. Um, and pictures with um, multiplication facts and stories with them. And um, then to review what do you remember? Or, you know, like I always tell them, okay, in your whiteboard, in your head, you know, like close your eyes and, and see this whiteboard in your head. What do you see? Oh yeah. I can spell, yeah. you know, like mountain or whatever, right. um, stories with, with multiplication facts. Okay. What do you see? You know, on your whiteboard, what does it say? Usually I get, um, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Some of it has been being okay to be different. You know, that it's okay that I don't learn that way or it's okay right. that I need this help. Well, and they're usually manifesting some other amazing abilities. So for him, he actually became a very gifted drummer. Mm -hmm. He has a, a patterns, rhythms, those sorts of things were came really naturally to him, but also he invented things. Mm -hmm. He was always going around. He would see things in his mind and he would create things for me. And so I had to start a notebook and I said, okay, so that was part of his school was this notebook that he would, he would draw me things and he would have to explain them. And then sometimes he would build them. And 
that became another way, avenue of learning for him okay. that was okay to do that. Okay. And for them to, what Michael, my husband and I decided was that we needed to find ways that um, they could learn to succeed. Like they feel like they were succeeding because there, there's all this, especially with those who struggle, it feels like failure. It feels like I'm, I'm not getting it. Mm -hmm. So how can we create an environment where they are succeeding at things? Starts out small, maybe gets bigger as it goes along. And ways to communicate, ways to, to find little doable projects or maybe reading, whatever that is that they struggle with, so that they have that sense and feel like they're succeeding at something to give them courage. And in our family, you know, he would say, I was brave of myself when he was little. And that became the phrase we would use in our family. That's cute. You know? I like that. <laughs> yeah. That's cute. But they need to feel like they, they are brave and they have courage and they are succeeding. And it's not that they can go on, you know, I don't buy into the concept that you could go do anything and be anything you want to in the world. Because they aren't. They aren't gifted to do that. They aren't called to do that specific thing or that particular thing. So finding the thing that, you know, they are to be doing the thing that develops them, that helps them in understanding, but it's teaching me. So it's growing for both of us. Yeah. Um, I agree. I've heard that. Uh, we took a parenting class at our church and it, the, that was the phrase at that time was, you can be anything you want to be. And someone said, no, you can't. And, and, you know, just listening to all that. And I was like, wait a second, you know, and then you start to think about it. Well, no, you can't do, you, right. you know, if you're not an athlete, you can't right. go and be in the NBA or if whatever you it was. carry a tune, right. why would you become a singer? Right. That's okay. Right. Go, be, you have something that you are to be. Right. And, and sometimes that's a, you know, that becomes different later on in life as you're learning and growing and. So we just encourage our children to, to find those parts of themselves, you know, that they can enjoy and succeed at and learn and grow. So. Um, I like the phrase better bloom where you're planted that I had to explain that to my daughter. She thought it meant like, oh, no, I'm always going to be planted here in this. <laughs> I won't be able to. She dreams of moving. Okay. And uh, um, she thought she would always have to be here. And like, no, just use your gifts, what you're good at. Uh, to bless others or you know to be to be um the best that you can be like here wherever you are she was relieved to know that's what it meant i'm not stuck in this forever right i think that might be what is a little bit nerve-wracking maybe is it's just this big wide world mm -hmm. and how do I help my kids and it isn't and the goal isn't necessarily to just get to um, I'm gonna get to graduation and then my next goal is to get to graduate from college with this particular degree and then that's where my life starts right it's as you go along the journey and even if you're in other things so for instance your child works at a job maybe when they're you know high school age that they don't particularly like, but there's obviously something there for them to learn. Um, it's the journey that they go along the way. Maybe they're learning more patience or more discipline or how to manage their money or whatever it might be. The goal isn't necessarily way down there at the end of the end of that road to say that's my goal. The goal is 
um, who are you becoming along the way of the journey? And what are, what are you learning from each situation that you're in as you go along that journey? And that's the person you're becoming. And, you know, scripture says that um, Yeshua grew in favor with Yahweh and with man. And that is so amazing when you think about living in a community of people with your family and with those around you. And you're, you know, we're schooling our children and they're learning these particular things. But what's the purpose of learning these skills? Yeah. Um, it's to be out there in the world. And as they go along the way, they're learning to grow in that favor and goodness and serving their community and being a light to the world and being productive members. But they're doing it as they go. So it isn't just, you know, what am I going to become way down there? And I think that puts a lot of pressure mm -hmm. on a person to feel like they have to become a certain thing when in reality they can really just grasp a hold. Yes, you kind of want to have a goal, but there's all these amazing things you can do along the way as you're becoming that person or doing that thing or learning. You know, there's some people that from the time they're young, I'm going to become a police officer and they never waver. But then there are those who are just kind of searching out what is it I'm supposed to be doing and um, for some of mine, that was getting married changed their life. You know, the, for other ones, it was a job they started doing or taking on a hobby like photography. And it, it changed their life. They didn't see it necessarily coming. But then, wow, hmm. I'm learning this skill and it changes who I become. And I start seeing the world in a new way and opens up an opportunity. So the journey is the important part, I think navigated or right. you know I'll have to quote you but it's given our conversation has given us given me so much to think about I'm gonna have to like listen and listen and we're not to no like, do we need to go back and talk about kindergarten no <laughs> no oh I hope that was encouraging for you did you pick up on a few things like you have to do homeschool how it works best for your family the curriculum might be amazing, but it might not work for your family. Switching is okay. Also, it's our job to help our kids succeed and not just at school. Oh, I know I'm gonna have to listen to these two conversations with Melissa Kerr again. If you have a suggestion of someone I should have coffee with, or if you'd like to have coffee with me, you can email me at coffeewithahomeschoolmom at gmail.com. If you have questions you'd like me to ask a guest, you can email me those at coffeewithahomeschoolmom at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, be encouraged, friends.